Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Woke Bros. Of course, I'm Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazdy Lambray, joined as always by my partner, the man with the plan, <laughs> finally back from vacation. No, 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 I'm still Oh, you're here. still in vacation? <laughs> yeah, Sunday. Okay. I get back on Sunday. It's Sunday. Yeah. Nando Vila in the location undisclosed. I happen to be in New York City, the, the Big Apple. Um, I don't know. I haven't um, my first. No, I was I was actually here when I came for Michael services. So I got to spend a little bit of time, but it's always good to get back to the Apple um, after so, spending so much time apart. Um, but on today's show, we don't usually do this on this show, but we got to talk about the Lionel Messi news. Yeah, because one, because Nando is a Spaniard. <laughs> yeah. And two, because it's just, it's it's earth-shattering news. We want to talk yep. about that. And of course, we want to get into the Massachusetts primaries, AOC getting in the mix, only after Nancy Pelosi stupidly put herself interjected into the mix. We're going to get into that. But first, of course, we got to talk about the RNC, where America is wonderful. <laughs> Four years ago, Trump did... A convention speech like no other. He used the word carnage, American carnage four years yeah. ago. 
Not, I was there. Oh, you were there. I was in the building. Oh, yeah. I remember thinking like, man, this does feel like some dystopian movie fascist shit, you know, like uh, V for Vendetta, you know, the giant face right. of, of the of the dictator, you know, like I was like, man, this is some scary shit at the time. And now it's just gotten gotten even better. Which is hilarious because in 2016, we were breaking unemployment records. Um, the economy was was crazy. It was booming. The the last well, excuse me, the stock market was booming. Um, the economy, as we talk about all the time, it's like it's fake jobs, low wages, it's nonsense. But you know, relatively speaking, the economy was looking completely fine. There was no global pandemic. There wasn't one of the worst economic meltdowns in recent memory. It was none of it. And what the Republican Party sold America was a vision of carnage. Fast forward four years later at their convention, because, of course, they're in power. Everything is great. People aren't losing jobs. People aren't being evicted. People aren't being foreclosed on. No, America is fantastic. And they went about selling that vision to, to, to the country this week. And it's just it's. Even for the GOP, it was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, everyone loved uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle's just like absolutely insane speech. <laughs> you know, Kimberly Guilfoyle obviously is Don Jr.'s uh, girlfriend, formerly married to Governor of California Gavin Newsom, yep. a Democrat. That's yep. His ex-wife. Um, and it was funny because like in her speech at one point she goes like, if you want to see a vision of the socialist hell that awaits you if you elect Joe Biden, take a look at California. And I was like, oh, shit. Throw some shade at the S-husband. But yeah, it was like absolutely insane because like she's going like – on this insane rant, you know, like the blood is just rushing th- to her head. You know, her eyes are completely crazy and it's just like an empty room. So when it ends and it's like, and I like that I'll try. but there's no applause because it's like an empty room because of COVID. <laughs> so the whole thing was just very, very dystopian and weird. And it just got me thinking like the back to back of last week with the DNC and this week with the RNC, it just really underscores the bleakness of our political horizon right now because we have this insane frothing at the mouth right-wing party like one of the most extreme parties in the world. I mean, you know, they they talk about like the European far right parties like the ones, you know, UKIP and Alternative for Deutschland and all that stuff like in many ways those parties are not as right-wing as the Republican Party. You know, the Republican Party is the most right-wing mainstream party in the world. And then on the opposite side, you have these like weak need Democrats that are basically like a center-right party. You know, so that's really our our choice is between an extreme right-wing party or a center-right party. So it was just all very depressing. And it's so it's so amazing to watch them do the same old dog whistles, the red baiting about communism and socialism. And, and you know, they're coming for your private property. They want to put the projects on your nice manicured lawn and all of that. It's like the rhetoric is so old school and throwback. I'm just like, do people actually buy this? And... Of course, 
Nando as being somebody, a South Florida native, he's very familiar yep. with the Miami Cuban population, the expats, oh, yeah. the, the martyrs, the, <laughs> the, they, they stole their, their, Castro stole their utopia from them. And I'm hearing Maximo Alvarez yep. give this impassioned speech about the immigrants' dream in America for the m- most anti-immigrant party in the history of this country. There's never yeah. been a party this anti-immigrant. He's saying it like unironically, and I'm just like, where are we? What like what what is happening here? How yeah. can you explain to our viewers the sort of general disposition of the ultra right wing tendencies of Miami Cubans and why this immigrant man can come on that stage and tell that story unironically? about America and how great it is for immigrants while supporting, again, the most anti-immigrant party in the history of this country. Right, because they don't consider themselves immigrants. They consider themselves political exiles or refugees. Um, Cuban Americans, or Cubans in general, do not have to go through the regular immigration channels that everyone else in the world has to go to, go through. They have a special status. There's a law called wet foot, dry foot, that as long as you get one foot on dry American land, you will get papers. No questions asked wow. if you're a Cuban. So this guy, Maximo Alvarez, actually came to the United States when he was 13 years old in the Peter Pan um, airlift in the 1950s, shortly after Castro took over. Um, all those guys got processed right away. There was no, there was no, uh, you know, like going through the regular INS channels or whatever that, that, you know, say if you're a Mexican immigrant or a Haitian immigrant or whatever you have to go through. So that's why they, that's why they can, that's, that's how they square it away with themselves. Like they're, they're a special status and they do have a special status in like in the face of the law. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's part of the, the fanatical anti-communism that, um, has been fomented by the United States, um, with in Congress, with the, with the Cuban American community. Um, it's like a, you know, self-reinforcing mechanism. I mean, you know, Cuban exiles have been involved in some of the worst, you know, terrorist atrocities. Um, (laughs) you can, you know, you could in in the, like in Latin America, um, and and they do it always with the help of the United States. I mean, obviously the most famous one is the Bay of Pigs invasion, where they literally yeah. like invaded Cuba. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was great to see. I mean, they love Trump, especially the older ones. They love Trump. I mean, it's starting to change somewhat with the the younger generation of Cuban Americans that they just don't care about you know Castro and anti communism <laughs> as much as as much as their parents and grandparents do. But the but the parents and grandparents still very much are into fanatical anti-communism. And um, that's why they love the Republicans and they love their boy, Trump. They love him. <laughs> they love him. You know? Um, yeah. So that's, that's how that, that's how they square that away. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, you know, sometimes some things never change, you know, it's the least surprising thing in the world to see a guy like Maximo Alvarez, just, you know, this insane speech in which he compared Joe Biden to Fidel Castro. I mean, I, <laughs> Like this is like one of those moments where I wish Mike was still around because like he would have he would have had such a great time. He would probably do a Joe Biden as Fidel Castro impression, oh, you know, like come on, man, we got to go up in the mountains and, and, and start a start an insurgent guerrilla campaign, man. This is what I'm talking about, man. You know, we got to arm we got to arm the people. Oh <laughs> and my kill goodness. the bourgeoisie. 
Joe you know? Biden, who is of the corporatist Dems, he might be the most corporatist Dem left around. Like, oh, yeah. he is dyed in the wool capitalist with oh, a yeah. capital C I'm talking about, man. If he could, he would get t- capitalist tatted on his chest. The idea that you would compare Joe Biden to Fidel Castro is the height of insanity. Um, and that's never mind, like... Because it's the Republicans, because it's American politics, they'll never make the distinction between socialism and communism. That's just asking way. Let alone like liberalism. I and- mean, like, forget about it. Yeah. They'll never make that distinction, but they love to use Cuba. They love to use Castro, and he has committed atrocities against people. Don't get it twisted. He absolutely murdered all of his enemies, imprisoned them, all the intellectuals. He was like, no, 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 no. We getting y'all to fuck up out of here absolutely committed crimes against people in cuba absolutely the ruling class he completely shoved it up their asses when he got into power there's no there's no doubt about that right and you got to think to yourself somebody like maximo gonzalez him and his family were absolutely firmly entrenched in the cuban ruling class Oh, yeah. 100%. They're like, Castro, we had this gravy train going, and this motherfucker ruined it. Mind you, that's not to say nobody ever talks about the black Cubans, the mm. condition of black Cubans out there, and basically they were the subjugated class. Um, and, and again, you know, uh, those people would argue that Castro never did anything for anybody in Cuba. He's, he's done nothing. He hasn't made it better for anyone, blah, 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 blah. Sure, we were subjugating them, but we had casinos. You know, um, it's, it's whatever. We don't need to get into the politics of the Cuban rev- revolution on this show, but I just think it's fascinating the the way the Republicans can try to label somebody like who literally ran on the idea that like no 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 I'm I just want the rich people to do their thing I don't yeah. want nothing else for anybody the people who are all already doing great we want to keep it that way for them nothing else matters nothing yeah. else matters to this guy so to watch them say this about Joe Biden is it's it's the height of insanity dude. I mean, Joe Biden is the senator from the state of Delaware. I've said this before on the show. The number one job of the senator of the state of Delaware, uh, a very corrupt state that is basically has like a sort of managed democracy, you know, in which the party leadership just kind of picks who's going to be in office at any at any point. Um, The number one job of the senator from the state of Delaware is to be the advocate and to carry water for the credit card companies, especially, but in general, kind of financial institutions and stuff that are all incorporated in the state of Delaware because there are no state um, uh, LLC taxes. So uh, yeah, Joe Biden has done that his whole career. (laughs) The only reason why we're subjected to Elizabeth Warren um, in the current political environment is because she got into politics to stop a bankruptcy bill that Joe Biden co-wrote that would basically make it harder for people to discharge their credit card debt through bankruptcy laws. Basically a giant gift to the credit card companies. That has been Joe Biden's career. So yeah, he is not about to um, <laughs> step into fatigues, uh, <laughs> light up a big cigar and lead an insurgent campaign from the mountains of, of Appalachia you know, <laughs> against, against Washington. He's just not going to do that anytime soon. Uh, no, he is 100% going to carry water for the most powerful corporations in the world. Don't worry, Maximo Alvarez. 
Joe Biden becomes president, they will not expropriate your disgusting uh, mansion in South Miami um, that definitely has, you know, like 57 bedrooms uh, and, uh, you know, and, and like a giant picture, a giant oil painting of the Virgin Mary. Yeah, that's not going to be expropriated uh, in any in any time and, soon. And again, uh, Tim Scott got up there. They trotted Tim Scott black ass out there. He had the yeah. nerve to mention George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. I'm just like, yo, you're just... <laughs> Who was it? There was, there was someone who went up there who had, um, I, I, she had like a mixed race kid and then some white kids, I think from like different marriages or something. And she went up there and actually stated that like my brown skinned son is statistically more likely to commit a violent crime than my white skinned it's, uh, children. It's, it's like, it's amazing. You know, like, oh, yeah. child, that was like, my goodness. That was and again, as depressing as last week was, um, and as depressing as all the stuff that's happening um, out on the streets, all of that, it's like the real world yeah. is actually depressing. But the that video, oh my goodness, my goodness, man! Um, as depressing as all of that is, you watch the Republicans. It's like these fools don't have a single plan. They don't have a single idea. We mention it all the time on the show, but like they won so long ago, like deregulation and tax cuts and like they, the mission of um of the of conservatism has been won for so long. They're out of victories. They have to like create things to like actually start, try to want to win again, like beating, beating up Mexicans. Like it's like the, the, the actual mission of the party and the movement won. They've been one. Clinton was been- Clinton was sucking up to them. Like, hell yeah, let's cut welfare. Hell yeah. Let's like, dude, they yeah. won NAFTA. They won they don't have yeah. anything else to fight for. They won. You, you can't cut capital gains taxes anymore. <laughs> like, you know, like you literally can't. You know, like I mean, they're at what, like fifteen percent. I mean, I guess they can go down, you know, a little further. But like, it's like, what are they? They're not going to, you know, like they can't. There's nothing else left. You know, they they've raided the 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 vault. Dude. You know, they have all the money in their pockets. They can't get richer <laughs> at this point. Like, you know? The yeah. capitalists won. They've been won. Like in we're talking about the 90s. This thing was completed. They were done. And so it's funny to watch him like try to come up with stuff to rally around. It's like Joe Biden's a commie. Like, oh my goodness. Well, that's your <laughs> Republican National Convention, ladies and gentlemen, vote accordingly, of course, you know, to whatever your beliefs may be. Um, But, yeah, that's what they're offering you guys. Um, And so we move on to Massachusetts, where there are two pretty interesting primaries going on. Um, The Kennedys were still dealing with their pro-genie. Oh, yeah. And Joe Kennedy is running some type of insurgent campaign for God knows why. But because he's a Kennedy, Nancy Pelosi wants us to know that you don't mess with the Kennedys. Essentially, if yeah. you're a Kennedy, it's like you're you're Queen Elizabeth. You you get yeah. to do whatever the hell you want. Like when it comes, you're to, an aristocrat. You're an aristocrat. When it comes to democratic politics, you're untouchable. We don't care what you actually stand for. Like Joe no. Joe Kennedy, man, he's got some out there views on policing, all this crazy yeah. shit. Speed. Like weed, weed. He, he's off weed, you know? guys. I mean, like it, it's he's the worst. He's the worst that yeah. the party has to offer. And of course, 
of course, Nancy Pelosi, she she completely disregards her own self-imposed ban on supporting primary candidates just so she could suck up to Joe Kennedy for God knows what. And so AOC jumps in there and says, no, I'm actually, I'm supporting his opponent. Uh, Speaker Pelosi has, you know, gone against her own rule and, and we're, fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack yep. here. I mean, the race is between Joe Kennedy third, this redheaded, <laughs> disgusting, moist mouth dipshit. He no, uh, he's a he's. If anything, he'd be Bobby's grandson, okay, grandkid, because um, he's like he's like young. Right, right, you know okay. what I mean? He was born like in the eighties. Um, so it's Joe Kennedy the third, um, and oh no, so I guess it would no. He's Joe Kennedy's son, so he's he's the brother of John and and and, Ro- and Bobby. Okay. Um, so uh, he's running against a guy named Ed Markey. Who Ed Markey is? He's a one-term senator. He's fighting. He's running for his second term. He was a longtime member of the House of Representatives. He got elected in 1976, if I believe, as a very young man. And Ed Markey is not like he's not Bernie Sanders. You know, he's not like this, you know, democratic socialist, um, you know, kind of flamethrower that Bernie was his whole career. But Ed Markey was kind of like a solid progressive. You know, he wasn't uh, he, he really kind of was on the left wing of the Democratic Party, which isn't saying much, but but he was definitely like a kind of a solid progressive. And especially in his early days, he was kind of a rambunctious kind of pro-labor Democrat at a time when it wasn't that in vogue to be that kind of guy. And again, don't get me wrong. He's not like Bernie Sanders. He's had some awful votes. He voted for the Iraq war. Like that's all worth criticism. But he is a solid progressive. Right. <laughs> and Joe Kennedy III is not. <laughs> and Joe Kennedy III is running to unseat this guy purely out of a sense of, you know, I'm a Kennedy and I deserve this, but he's not running on any meaningful platform. He's not, you know, he has not, he doesn't stand for anything really other than like, I'm young and I'm a Kennedy. Meanwhile, Ed Markey co-wrote the Green New Deal with AOC. Like he was the Green New Deal sponsor in the Senate. Um, And he's running on the Green New Deal and Medicare for all and all that stuff. All that good stuff that we want. Joe Kennedy is not running on any of those things. And it's funny, Nancy Pelosi jumped in the race and endorsed Joe Kennedy because of what you said about, you know, that she wanted to defend the Kennedy name or whatever. And the next day, the Markey campaign announced that their fundraising went up like triple, you know, like it was just a huge bump for the Markey campaign. And it's great because like what we're seeing is that policy matters over kind of superficial representation because when Kennedy jumped into the race, it looked like Markey was toast. Kennedy jumped out to an early 10-point lead. Um, he had the Kennedy name in Massachusetts. That obviously means a lot. He obviously had the party apparatus behind him. And Markey has been able to turn around. This crotchety old man was like, no, 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 you young dipshit. I'm a real guy. You're just a young dipshit. And the polls, the latest polls that have come out today, I mean, you're seeing some that have Marky up 12 points, Marky up eight points. And he's run a very, very effective campaign against this kind of right wing insurgency from the Kennedys. So, yeah, a lot to unpack there. I mean, the other the other thing that you mentioned is that Nancy Pelosi basically said, we do not primary Democrats. I will support any incumbent Democrat. 
uh, against uh, a primary challenger, whether it's from the left or from the right. And of course, that is bullshit because Ed Markey is the incumbent and she is supporting Joe Kennedy. So really what it means is like, do not primary someone from the left. It's fine. It's primary someone from the right, but do not primary someone from the left. And these there's certain themes that reoccur on this show that we and we do this because we want to highlight why it is we feel the way that we do. Again, Nancy Pelosi, who is she doing this for? Yeah. What what group of people are best served by Joe Kennedy unseating Markey? Nobody, you can't point to it. Like, who is she no. doing this for? It's all cronyism bullshit. And that and, yeah. and and that's her at this point that's literally her main function in the party. It's I want to be I want to still be friends with my Republican friends on the hill. And yeah. I want to ca- And I want to control this new senator from Massachusetts. That's it. And I want to yeah. carry water for the business class cuz I'm a rich yeah. motherfucker. It's like who is this for, guys? Like, you have to be asking yourself, like, what group of people is she stepping in on behalf of? It doesn't exist. You can't name them. It, yeah. And it's just the worst type of politics. Like, you can't tell me, like, hey, man, Joe Kennedy is for this policy that's really going to make a difference that people actually like, that is popular amongst our constituents, the people that tend to support us. You can't point to any of that. She's just parachuting in to Massachusetts, which she has no business, no real, like, dealings in, and she's doing this on behalf of some rich prick. It's, it's, it's the height of insanity. It's disgusting. It's, it's Democratic Party politics at its worst um, you know, yeah. we often talk about the infighting that happens on the, with the Dems. Obviously, there's infighting on both sides. Like you see it, you see it with Republicans, with the Steve King types, with the lady from Georgia who represents QAnon, and you see. But what they just do is they essentially just ignore them. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. They don't publicly go after them. They don't. They, they just ignore them. No. They pander to their right-wing fringe, whereas Democrats try to beat down their left-wing fringe, which what the effect that it has is it moves the center of gravity to the right um, over time, right? Democrats constantly moving to the right hate their left-wing fringe. Republicans always pander to their right-wing fringe. If that's, the, that's the basic difference between the two parties is that Republicans love to pander to their base. Democrats never pander to their base. Never, ever, 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 ever. Yeah. And so there you have it. Um, justice is looks like justice is going to be served and Kennedy's going to get his ass whooped. Um, and, and, yeah. and that's great. Um, we do want to get into Alex Morse. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this scandal or whatever we're calling it is a bit convoluted. Um, I'm having myself trouble. I know it is like a Tinder yeah. and a. All of this, uh, I can explain yes, there's it. some weirdness going okay. on here. And again, the party establishment is doing stupid, unnecessary things um, on behalf of trying to maintain power. But please, Nando, break down this situation with Alex Morse. So this is a race that's also happening in Massachusetts, also on September 1st. So if you're in Massachusetts... Go out and vote for Ed Markey um, over Joe Kennedy and go vote for Alex Morse uh, over Richard Neal. So it's a race between Alex Morse and Richard Neal. Richard Neal is one of the most powerful Democrats in Congress. He is the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. And you know what that means. 
That's the people who control the money. That's the, the Ways and Means Committee is one of the most important committees in Congress, and Richard Neal is the chairman. Okay, so he's being challenged from the left by a guy named Alex Morse, who I've got to say, I've seen him in interviews, and he's a very impressive dude. Alex Morse has got his shit together. He is very smart. He is like an absolute solid left guy who believes in all the things that we believe, Medicare for all, Green New Deal, all that stuff. They tried to kill the Alex Morris campaign by drumming up this absolutely ludicrous and fake sex scandal, like a Me Too um, type of thing. Alex Morris, for context, is gay. And what they did was the party apparatus working with something called the College Democrats at UMass, because Alex Morse was a professor uh, at UMass in the UMass system, working with the College Democrats of UMass, they basically did this like entrapment thing in which they, some students and stuff would match with him on Tinder, you know, and not his students, just students in general. I mean, Alex Morse at the time was like 26, 27. Like he wasn't, it wasn't like he was like a 55 year old man sleeping with a 21 year old. He was like a 26 year old man sleeping with a 21 year old. Right. It's not that big of a deal, right. <laughs> but he would, they would match with him on Tinder and then like exchange pleasantries. Not even that, like, cause the text came out. They weren't even that like that. It was more like, so what are you up to? And it's like, Oh, I just got back from a fundraiser. Right. And you know, like it, it wasn't even like, you know, what are you wearing right now? Or like, can I see your dick? It was like, it, it was really just like, uh, no, I just had a good night. What's up with you? You know, like nothing, the most tame shit ever. And they tried to like basically create this fake me too scandal in which, you know, they, the scandal being that he's sleeping with his students. And that's just not, that's just not what was going on. It was a total bullshit entrapment. And it looks like because of kind of the pushback from left media, especially a lot of reporting in The Intercept, Alex Morse has been able to survive this fake scandal. Um, it's, it's made the Democratic Party look ridiculous. Um, and so the polling on that race is a little less um, reliable right. than it seems like it's in the Senate race because it's a Senate race is a statewide race. Yep. This is a, a, a tough. county Sometimes race. It's tough to get it's good, tough. good yeah. polling in the, in the smaller counties. So, but if you're in that district, Richard Neal is one of the worst Democrats, and he's very, very powerful. But like, just I just want to read something um, uh, about Richard Neal. Okay, so as chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, which, like I said, is one of the most powerful committees in the House, the ones who control the money, as chairman of the House and Ways and Means Committee, before a March 2019 hearing on Medicare for All, Neal told Democrats on the panel that he did not want the phrase Medicare for All to be used. <laughs> he argued that Medicare for All was wrong on policy <laughs> and a political loser. And then in December of 2019, Richard Neal personally stepped in to kill legislation that would have ended something called surprise medical bills. Because of course, Richard Neal is in the pocket of the health insurance uh, companies and their lobbyists on K Street. So Richard Neal is absolutely awful, dog shit, corrupt, you know, the worst. Um, and he's being challenged by this really, really impressive guy named Alex Morse, um, who's young, who is a, you know, very, very smart and would be a very, very strong congressman. So if you're in Massachusetts and you're in that district, please go out and vote for Alex Morse. All right. And now we move on to Barcelona, man. One of my favorite yeah. cities in the world. 
Um, oh, yeah. where my mom's from. Oh, man. I went there three years ago, Nando. When I tell you I had the most amazing time, <laughs> first of all, I got to Barceloneta and everybody had their oh, damn yeah. tops off. I was like, this is okay. great. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. Amazing food, amazing wine, amazing nightlife, amazing culture, history. Fucking love Barcelona. If you ever get the chance to travel out to Spain, guys, you need to go to Barcelona. Ibiza, whatever, who cares? Hit me up on Twitter. I'll give you a a proper guide of the city of Barcelona. Yes, sir. Um, But yes, man, it hit the news wires yesterday that Lionel Messi has spoken to the management of Barcelona and told him, I want out. I want to get out of here. Inevitably, of course, we hear that City's already been in touch with him and his people. And I don't know yeah. if you know this, but I'm a City supporter, Nando. So I got pretty nice. excited. <laughs> yeah, would be nice. Uh, I'm, I'm about tired yeah. of silver by now. Um, but yeah. yeah, man. So talk to us about because soccer contracts are different than say an yeah. NBA deal where. You sign a deal for five years, $150 million, that's basically it. Your deal can be transferred to another team, like you can be traded or whatever, but you sign that deal, that's kind of the deal. Soccer deals work a little bit differently. I remember when Neymar went to PSG, there was the whole controversy Mm -hmm. about his dad getting some, some millions first and this and some transfer rules and blah, 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 blah. We know that... I mentioned City already, but they're they're constantly getting in trouble for skirting the contract rules and all of that stuff. So explain to us yeah. the predicament, the the situation that that Lionel Messi and Barcelona are in right now. So in terms of the soccer contracts, like you mentioned in the in the in the NBA or in the NFL, you sign a contract with a team, but it's really not a contract with the team. Contract it's a contract with the league. With, with the league because the teams can yeah. pass you around and you have zero say. Right. Like if you get traded, that's it. That's it. You got to go to Cleveland. Right. You know, you, you're fucked. Um, in soccer, the players have a lot more power and they they don't have to move if they don't want to. Um, any move in soccer has to be approved by the player. Like they cannot be sold. They cannot be traded if they don't want to. They The contract is the contract and that's what it is. Hold on, just, Messi, just before you keep going, because um, yeah. this is something that sticks in my craw. The NBA is constantly dealing with what's called an image problem, which essentially it's a black league. It's seen as a black black. league. They're stigmatized for it. So everything they do carries a stigma. And all I ever hear is that the players, we're calling this the player empowerment movement um, era, Nando, and it's nonsense. It's just that players pick their teams more often now because the the owners decreed that they they no longer wanted eight-year contracts. And so now NBA players sign three-year deals, and in three years they get to pick a new team. So people think that's some real power but all i ever hear is that this stuff pisses fans off and people hate the nba for it meanwhile soccer is the bootlickers yes exactly meanwhile soccer is the most popular sport in the freaking world and the players have an immense amount of power but whatever that's just me on my soapbox go ahead nando no no no. it's 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 a totally valid point and messi specifically has even more power because messi for those who don't understand i mean and i Thank you for letting us letting me talk about this on the show because this is a usually a politics show. But um, you know, I I also cover soccer, but I don't cover soccer for anyone right now yeah. uh, professionally, and I need to talk yes, about this yes, with someone. Yes. <laughs> so uh, Messi, um, who is the best player in the world, 
probably the best player of all time. I mean, it's like the the comp is Jordan, right? right? Like it's as if Jordan um, was around. And of course, because he's so good and he's been so great for so long. I mean, he he literally has been the best player in the world for probably 15 years. Um, He has a lot of power within his club and he was able to negotiate certain clauses in his contract that were that are not available to anyone else. Namely, he has the unilateral right at the end of each season to decide whether he wants to leave for free or not. Wow. Okay. So he has like an out every year. So what Messi did yesterday is exercise that clause. The problem is because of COVID, the original contract stipulated that he had to, uh, you know, that it ended on June 30th, right? Which is like usually when standard soccer contracts end, but that's usually June 30th. It's because that's by the, by that day, season the season is, is over. over. Yep. But because of COVID, the season actually went in through August. Um, you know, the champions league just ended this weekend. So Messi is arguing that no, 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 that clause is valid until the end of the season. And this is a special case. And therefore, while Barcelona is arguing, no, 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 that, lapsed in June, you're under contract for at least one more year. So it's going to get ugly. It's going to go into the courts because unless they can find some sort of deal. And, um, there's been a lot of speculation as to who would snap up Messi. There's not many teams that can because Messi has a monster contract. Uh, I mean, just for context, Messi probably makes 50 million euros a year after taxes. Mm. Lord have mercy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, and so there's not many teams that can afford him. And and then because of this kind of the snafu yep. over the release clause, you know, if it's most likely going to have to work out in which they they some team would have to pay Barcelona for Messi's rights, and Barcelona is not going to sell him for anything less than a world record fee, which would be over 222 million uh, euros, which is what Neymar went for. So monster numbers. I mean, it's it's hard to overstate like just how seismic this was yesterday. Messi has been at Barcelona since he was 13 years old. It's as if Jordan, like at the height of his powers, right. was like, "I'm out. I'm leaving Chicago. Who wants me?" <laughs> yep. Like, can you imagine the, the feeding it frenzy? Been, it would have been insane, insane, insane. You know. And so that's what's happening now. With Messi. So, so um, now we got to break down the clubs, the European clubs, who yeah. can actually afford this. Because it's a very, I feel like, minute amount of clubs who would have the oh, yeah. resources and, you know, just and would actually want to make this work. Who do you think these clubs are? So there's only a handful of clubs that could actually uh, take something like this on. And for the most part, not exclusively, but for the most clubs, uh, most part, it's clubs that are owned by a state. Mm -hmm. You know, there are certain clubs that are owned by countries. PSG is owned by the country of Qatar. They have all of the money that the country of Qatar has at their disposal. So PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, the team from Paris, is one team that could have the financial heft to take something like this on. Inter Milan is owned basically by by the Chinese. Mm. Um, And so they are reportedly making moves. Man City, your team, Big Waz, is owned by Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. They have all that good oil money at their disposal. Um, 
And, and then the other team that is, that is probably able to, uh, to, to, to handle something like this, although, even though they're not owned by a state is Manchester United, the other team from Manchester, just because they're, they, they get so much money, um, coming in from like TV deals and sponsorships and things like that. They're just like the biggest brand club in the world, probably. Um, For political reasons, those... Madrid is 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 out of the question. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, it's out of the question. Madrid maybe could do it, although they're you know like a lot of these clubs are having to tighten their belt because of COVID. Right. You know, which is why the state-owned clubs are the ones that don't have right. to. You know, they're fine. Right. I mean, they, the oil still right. They're gets literally sold. getting money out of the ground. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I, if I was a betting man, I'm thinking it's Man City. Man City has a lot, a lot going for them. I mean, outside of the fact that they have the money to do the deal, um, Man City's coached by a guy named Pep Guardiola, who is the guy who really elevated Messi's career at Barcelona. Yeah. Messi was always a very good player, yeah. great player even. When Pep got in there and he changed some things around, Messi went from being a great, great player to probably the best of all yep. time. Um, you know, they, there's rumors that they had a falling out, but that was a long time ago. You can imagine that they've papered over it at this point. Um, Messi would probably like to go somewhere where he's more familiar with the leadership and the leadership of Man City is the people who used to run Barcelona in Messi's heyday. Mm. Ferran Soriano is the president of Man City. He used to be the president of Barcelona when Messi was, was in its heyday. Pep Guardiola is the coach. He knows that leadership team. The other factor that's important is that Man City has a guy on their team called Sergio Aguero. Sergio Aguero is the center forward for Man City. He is one of Messi's best friends in the world. So you can imagine a situation where Messi would feel very comfortable walking into that situation. Messi would also walk into a situation in which the team is already very, 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 very good. It's, It's just a great team. PSG is not a very good team. Man United is definitely not a good team. And Inter Milan is not a very good team. Messi clearly wants to win the Champions League again. Um, I think I just can't see him going anywhere else other than Man City if a deal is to be worked out. But again, um, I got my popcorn ready because like <laughs> this is the most seismic soccer news you can imagine. Yep. I mean, certainly in like in the last 20 years. Yep. Wow. So we'll be watching that very closely. Um, like I said, I, I saw the reports that City has had already been in contact. And I said, of course, mind you, this was supposed to be an offseason where they fixed the defense because the defense was so terrible this season. Um, but they said, fuck that. <laughs> it's Lionel Messi. We need to get this dude in City Blue. Um, and that would just be fantastic. Just, just to give you an idea, Messi is the all-time leading goal scorer in the history of La Liga. And he's still active, but he broke that record like two or three years ago. <laughs> Messi has the record for most goals in a season. Messi just broke the record this year for most assists in a season. <laughs> you know, he, he he's kind of like Wayne Gretzky yep. in that his numbers are like Insane. so off the yep. charts that it's hard to wrap your mind around. Like, you know, the numbers are really both like goals and assists, you know, like, and, and everything else from like dribbles and key passes and like all the advanced metrics, like you always see like a little dot that is just like way above everyone else. And it's messy. Uh, everyone else is kind of operating in here and Messi's like all the way up there. Um, so yeah, any team that gets him is getting the best player in the world. So you, you take, you, you do that deal and, and, and you figure it out later. All right. There you have it guys. Um, great show as always with Nando. Make sure you become a Patreon if you can. That's patreon.com backslash count the dings. Of course, subscribe to the Friday mailbag, Cinephobe, the OG show on Monday. I did, um, Wednesday 
service, the, the Wednesday service with Naima and, and Curran yesterday. We talked about Patty Duke of Hot 97 being part of a lynch mob back when he was 19 years old while working at a hip hop station. So you definitely want to check that out. Um, just make sure you're checking out All Things Count the Dings. Let's pot it out. The Entourage Pod by, by the great Nando Vila. Uh, we'll see you guys next week, man. We're out of here. Peace.